BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to a Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me Brazilian-born Marcia de Valles. Hello, Marcia. Hello, Stuart. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and everybody, I should uh, I should start with a confession before we get into uh, Marcia's story. This is podcast take two. As as uh, as as I am not uh, as I've done so many of these, maybe I got a bit complacent. 24 hours ago from where I am now. And uh, I've done this podcast once before, haven't I, Marcia? <laughs> yeah, it seems like you did yesterday. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, I didn't record the bloody thing. So, so uh, it's, the, it's the greatest podcast that never was, was made yesterday, <laughs> and we're going to make the sequel today, Marcia. How's that sound? That sounds good. Seems like I have opportunity to have take two. That's amazing. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now, are you, are you at your mark, as it were? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, look, let's 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 give you a proper introduction then. So, so you, you, you're Marcia Duvalis, and you're Brazilian-born, as I said, but you're now based in London. Um, you are an actor, you're a producer, and you've even got writing credits to your name. Um, most recently, people may have seen you in Ibiza Undead, uh, Andy Edwards' film. Andy Andy was on the podcast when he was promoting it uh, ahead of Frightfest back in August. Um, and uh, you, you've a producer credit on uh, Paul Hyatt's Heretics. Paul Hyatt has been on here a couple of times now. He's, he's one of my alumni on the, on the podcast. You're, you're joining good company, Marcia. Sounds good. Seems like I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, well, I mean, Britflix is, is really about trying to promote British film. Um, and you seem to have got yourself well and truly involved. So do you, do you want to give, us, give, give the audience a sense of how a Brazilian ends up in London? Yeah, so I, I was living in Brazil and then I decided to go to Spain, Madrid, mm-hmm. just to have six months out and learn another language and everything. 
Then I decided to stay there and study films. Uh, leave the law university and study films in Madrid. From Madrid, uh, I had the opportunity to produce my first feature film, Deranged. Uh, and the company who financed that film was Tempo Heart Films. They were UK based. And I say, you know, I said to myself, I have this one opportunity with this uh, production company. So let's pack the bags and go to London and make this thing work. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that, they're bold steps indeed. Um, so, so while you were in Spain, though, you did you did some formal education in terms of film. What did, where did you study, and what was it you studied? I have done seven years on one same school. It was crazy. Yeah. I did uh, uh, four years for acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name of the school is Instituto del Cine de Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after finishing my acting uh, course, I said, okay, what can I do that is very close to acting? Because what happened is, as an actor, sometimes you just wait in your sofa for your agent or wait for that role come to you. Uh, today, is that I believe you need to be more hands-on and go for it. So mm-hmm. I decided to study for a uh, film director, actually, for three years. Mm-hmm. And But in my second year, I wanted to do this feature film. And I didn't have anyone to produce for me with the budget I, I got. Yeah. So instead of directing it, I became producer on that uh, feature film also. And I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's kind of fun, you know? So, <laughs> here what, I am. What do you, what do you think, um, from, from those two different types of studying you did, how do, how do you think the directing course helped you become a better actor? And how do you think the acting course helped inform what you becoming a producer? Yeah, it's, it's, the director's course uh, definitely helped me become a good, uh, better, not good, but a better actor. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think when you study what's behind the camera, mm-hmm. you you create that respect for every single um, position on the film. Because the first year, we did like a filmmaking course. So uh, I had to put lights on. I had to do makeup on my friends. I had to 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 go through. I had to do the costume. Another day, I was uh, you know doing the production. So the first year was actually um, doing all these things inside of the film. Yeah. So so you you learn to respect the <coughs> importance of every single position. So that is very helpful uh, for when you are an actor. You are, you kind of know your place on set. You mm-hmm. don't become like a diva. Ah, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it helps me in that way. Now, um, you, you were, um, you were in uh, a beater on dead, as we, as I said in the intro. Um, and Andy Edwards was, was on the podcast. Now, how, how did you get cast in that movie? What was the, how did you get spotted or how did you find out about the work and, and how did you go about securing the role you got? Uh, uh, that was interesting. Uh, I heard about this, uh, this script called Ibis and Dead. Mm-hmm. And I think, hmm, I want to be in it. <laughs> you know? So I started to chase the producers and the director. I said, 
I really like to be in it. And I, I got the opportunity to read it as I work with Tempo Hard Films. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, firstly, I was chasing one of the main six roles. Uh, but obviously, I wasn't uh, suitable for, for them. So uh, after meeting Andy and speaking about and he saw my enthusiasm for, for the film, mm-hmm. he cast me for one of the smaller roles, which at the time was just about two scenes, no more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, as he was still developing the script, uh, he had me in mind from that point that it was going to be this promo girl. So I got lucky that my role got developed and I'm through the whole film now and uh, I actually rescued some of the, the the characters and I make it to the end. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of these funny stories, you see. And uh, in the end, I actually love my role more than the other one that I was chasing for. So... That's interesting. So, so, um, how, how was, um, from, from an actor's point of view, how was, how, what was Andy's approach to you prior to shooting the film and, and, and what was it like on, on the shoot itself? Um, we had this meeting, uh, firstly, because I, I told you I was chasing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so from that meeting, uh, we spoke about the look of the, the character and, how I portray her and all this seems like he liked it. And, uh, uh, yeah, so we worked from that moment on the outside mm-hmm. and some of he wanted a different type of promo girl instead of she being lovely and giving the flyer. He wanted this bad ass promo girl. So <laughs> when I was going around to, to deliver the, uh, the flyer, it just was, you know, nasty, a little bit nasty and angry. So he had in his mind what he wanted for that role. Mm-hmm. Although on set he was very flexible on on how to do that. He he was like working not just with me but everybody else on getting the best performance possible from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, some of uh, he likes this twist stick on the script. As you know, he wrote the script, so yeah. obviously he's precious about it. So you can you need to respect that. Yeah. Uh, but he oh, in some scenes when we felt like it wasn't really working, so he gave us the opportunity to okay, let's see how we can make this more organic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cool, cool. Now uh, let's flip to your to your producer here before we go back to your to your acting. Um, you 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 came along with the I guess the early version of what became the Heretics that Paul Hyatt. Has has uh, a shot and is I think is in post production. Yeah. Yes. So so what was the journey there? What what did you have at the start, and and how did you get to be producer on what is the Heretics? Um, I was searching for a script that suits myself as an actress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, Makes sense. Uh, and then I, I found that script and. Uh, I was thinking, Gregory Blair, who was the original writer for, mm-hmm. for the script, which called The Sisterhood at mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And, uh, well, he's American writer and everything. Yeah. So when I, I, I read that script and I say, okay, this is a great idea. This is a really can be a very interesting film. It's a period piece 
and uh, can be shot in you. In that point, the script was written in a, in American <laughs> type of language because it wasn't settled anywhere. It was like mm-hmm. opening, open, opening for. So I said, okay, but if we shoot in England, it's a period film. I definitely don't want to be in it because it's not suitable for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Brazilian. Yeah. I have a, you know, very mixed type of appearance, so it wasn't suitable. But I really got that setup, that concept under my skin. I really want to get this film made somehow. Mm-hmm. So I, I present this uh, script for the part films, and they asked me, maybe a joke, say, oh, and what is your role? And when I said, no, there is no role for me, I just want to get the film made. Mm-hmm. So I think I got their attention there. <laughs> All right, okay. And, and and in terms of the, the the title changing from sisterhood to heretics, what was what was the logic there, or how how did that come about? Um, we didn't really like the sisterhood because when you say the sisterhood, sounds it doesn't sound really what the way we wanted portray the, the film. Mm-hmm. So was a come back and forth to try to find the perfect. Uh, title and when we came across to heretics we uh, liked it very much and then Paul said ah oh, what about if instead of the C we have the K and then someone is because they didn't they don't write very well blah blah, blah. so it was uh, all uh, a, a very creative process to find the title also yeah I mean it's interesting because because I mean to, 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 I guess to the layperson it's it's the title can be very important and or not important at all, can't it? I mean, when, when you're making a movie, it, 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 it's kind of nice to have a hook to hang things on. But, mm. but I mean, friends of mine, you know, once, once a film gets in front of, you know, like sales agents and stuff, they begin to say, well, that title won't work or, or um, we're going to have to call it this and it doesn't sound like anything that you've been working on. And, it, and, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's, one of those things, it's, it's, it's one of those things that can change and, and, and sometimes never changes, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, we in that we got lucky in a way because mm-hmm. we found a great title. Yeah, we yeah. believe it to be a while before filming. So yeah, it was a nice thing. We so are where, now. Yeah, sorry. Where was where was where was Heretic shot? It was in Wales. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, we had to find the the correct locations for mm-hmm. the film. Yeah. As, a, as a period film. So we find these two very interesting locations. One is Margan Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Margan Castle have ghosts there, living there. So it's like a haunting castle. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been to Margan Park. I've, uh, I went to a music festival there. Oh, I see. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a haunting. <laughs> so we went to, to make our film in a ghost place. And then we had another... Another location is Tree Tower Castle and yeah. and combating uh, Tree Tower Castle, uh, Curtain Castle, sorry, and it's a very it's a location that is 900 years old, wow. which is oh my gosh, and you can't imagine how well kept is that location. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, your your um, after your sort of supporting role in Ibiza Undead, your next role when you go off this spring, I think it's April May. You're off to New Orleans. 
to star in uh, Quail Hollow, which is going to be directed by Javier de Prado, who I think is, am I right in thinking he's, he comes from a special effects background and this is him sort of stepping up to, uh, to direct. Yes. So, yeah. So from, from your, so this is, this is very much a lead role. Do you want to give us a, 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 a synopsis as to what this film's about? Um, uh, this film's, okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the two roles I'm playing is the twin sisters. Yeah. Um, what happened is, uh, Sunny, something happened to Sunny. Mm -hmm. Maybe she died, maybe she doesn't. I don't know. (laughs) And, uh, but her sister Mila, uh, goes to New Orleans to find out what happens to, to Sunny Mm -hmm. and, uh, end up in this, uh, very creepy, uh, place called Quiet Hollow at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and lots of, um, she started to feel like, okay, something is wrong here. The people who run the place also seems like they have a secret hidden. So, yeah, so. I'm going to tell you only that for now. Well, that's good. But, but the, fa- the fact is you're, you're going to be playing twin sisters. So you've almost, you've got, you've got a lead role, but also it's two roles, isn't it? You're going to be playing. Yes. There won't be, uh, does that mean then from his special effects point of view, there's going to be moments where we've got two of you on screen? Yes. Oh, isn't it a great two yeah. of you on the screen? <laughs> Very funny. <too. laughs> what, do you, what do your parents think about you inventing a twin? <laughs> Um, maybe they don't like the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you have you been to New Orleans yet? Yes. And what do you think I of the place? Just, I actually just came back from there. I yeah. was there with Javier Do Prado. We went some visiting some locations. Uh, we were speaking about how we are going to do some of the scenes. I have a scene that I need to jump from a window, for example. It's very action-like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this city is amazing. I really love that city. It's, uh, it's very artist, uh, like lots of, um, uh, arts and, uh, art gallery. The music is everywhere. Oh, I really enjoy that. And I just, I just looking on the credits, I noticed that Danny Stacks, uh, one of the screenplay writers on the, uh, on Quail Hollow. Yes, we, we got this script firstly from the United States. Uh, the original story comes from J.R. Wicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, we have a few writers on board. Uh, we are still, um, finishing now the polish of the script. So yeah. we have a few writers who, who got on board of the project. We'll be announced all them soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm just looking at IMDb. Um, yeah. Danny, so, Danny yeah, Danny Dan is great. Uh, great to work with. And uh, we are looking forward to work with him again in another film that is about kids. He loves writing for kids. No, I was going to say, no, he was, he's was. he been on the podcast too, talking about uh, who killed Nelson Nutmeg. So. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. No, 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 I know, I know Danny too. It's, uh, it's, 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 like I say, um, I think, I think with having done this podcast, uh, long enough now, um, I'm beginning, to, <laughs> I'm beginning to see that the, that the UK film industry is a very, very small world and, uh, yeah. we're all, we're all interconnected. So, so from, from a casting point of view, how, how did you land the role then, the lead role in this movie? Well, I'm always, I'm always looking and searching, chasing people for roles. 
no, no, no. <laughs> I think it's, it is one of important uh, things of um, an actor, you know, just not sitting on the sofa and waiting. So I'm very hands-on. I like to go out there and, and find things. And So I found this script myself. And uh, my business partner, Kevin Kane, from the United States. So we present this script for the production company. And uh, they said yes, but if I was to play the twins and the lead role on the film, so I would not have anything to do with the production. And I say, yes, please, hand off the, the production hat yeah. and only stay on the acting side of it. Wow. And what was... What was um... <clears throat> what was the actual, was there an audition? Was there more than one person sort of tested for this role? Or was you, did you come along and it was like you were the fit? Uh, because I have, I have been reading lots of scripts. So when I read this concept, mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, I think uh, this is something I will deliver deliver very well and uh, something that's suitable for me. Mm -hmm. So that's when I present the script. Uh, the same way I, I didn't present myself on Heretics because I knew I wasn't suitable. Yeah. For this role, I feel like I am suitable. So I present the script with me kind of attached. Of course, they could say no and I would accept and everything. Yeah. But they like the idea. They also think I'm suitable. So it feels good to even that I didn't do a proper audition for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I have been selected. Well, it sounds like, I mean, for, from those, for those listening, if I can summarise a little, it sounds like a lot of what you're, the success you're driving for yourself is, 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 is down to, I guess, two very simple qualities, which is a, like a tenacity and a, a, and a, and a perseverance with, with trying to create work and, and, and get involved with film projects. Would that, would that seem fair? Yes, that seemed very fair. Uh, and I didn't have... Uh, actually, very little time I have anything offered to me that I'm not pushing or go for it. And <laughs> I, it's true, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I receive scripts and uh, uh, a lot of scripts that be sent to me and asking if I want to play or that or that. But I always like to be hands on and uh, if I like something and I want to get made, I just mm. go out there and try to present for the correct people no no that's good now you're 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 as well as being in horror films you're a horror film fan yourself yeah yes um very much so okay so from your from your point of view what would be a what would be a couple of favorite horror films and, and, and why why do you like them so much hmm. um there's two things about horror film with me i i really like uh when watching i mean watching a horror film i like films like you know, the others, uh, Julia's Eyes, mm -hmm. and, uh, Sixth Sense, uh, Shining. I love the Shining. So this is like the, the usual suspects, let's say like that. Mm. Um, but I really like the tension and not much of gory actually. But then when I'm acting on a movie, I really love to be covered in blood and all the prosthetics and, uh, all the gory stuff. Got so. You. Yeah. Now you've got. I mean, I've overlooked something here. I think you, you've got. Um, is it called Kenzie Fighting Method? Ah, case. Yeah, case fight method. It's is, a with a Justo Diego is the the found uh, 
the person who creates that method. And, the, and and this is something that, from from an actor's point of view, is a, is a really good tool to have in the box, isn't it? This idea that you can be sort of you can bring a bit, of, literally bring a bit of kick-ass to the role. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, I try to keep myself uh, fit, mm-hmm. and I do CrossFit five times in a week. So Blimey. and also, <laughs> yeah. So also, I have the skills of doing stunts. Uh, while I was studying for actress and after that mm-hmm. uh, with the Justo Diegues uh, training. So I can do my own stunt until the, uh, the moment they let me to, until they say, okay, now you can't do that because, uh, you know, too dangerous or maybe they lose the, the lead actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I always push it to do everything myself. Now, for, for those, I mean, uh, is there any way you could tell us... Um... Is is there a, a sort of vein of Brazilian horror that we could be we could be looking out for that you know about and you'd recommend? Ah, interesting. Uh, I have a little problem to remember title films, yes. <laughs> so I don't remember one specific Brazilian horror right now with the titles. But I know Brazil have been doing more horrors recently, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, there was one that I watched. I don't remember the name to be honest right now, mm-hmm. but it was about um, you know, when they are selling uh, human uh, organs. Oh, wow. And that was, yeah, and I tell you, was in the mountain, this tourist disappearing, and it was really nasty, really, like, very gory, but in a, also very nasty. So I enjoyed that one. Sorry, I can't remember now the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe no I'll send you later. That'd be cool. But I mean, because it's, yeah. it's been, <clears throat> I've been going to Cannes a few years, and and the, the the whole South American horror um, boom, as it were, has been has been supported by the development of something called Blood Window, which sort of brings all the South American countries together under one banner to then promote horror films. Are, have you have you seen this? Uh, in Cannes, was it yeah, this yeah. year or the um, last couple of years? There's been there's this. It's um, I think it comes out of Argentina as an initiative, but it brings together oh. all the South American countries. With oh, I didn't take a look on that. I didn't take a look. To be honest with you, I have been uh, working under the British, uh, yeah. and I feel very British-like <laughs> in this way. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. so I'm no. more involved here than anywhere else. So although I visit Brazil and my family is there, but mm. I never work on the Brazilian uh, film industry. To be honest, so I'm, I, I don't. I need to take a look on this. What you say, because mm. maybe. I do go to Brazil to to, to film a horror film there. It that should be, be cool. fun. <laughs> that might be cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, <clears throat> what will be your um, if if you're going away in spring to shoot um, Quail Hollow? What 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 kind of preparation will you go through yourself to get ready for that role? Hmm. I have um, in my last role on the the tombs. Hmm. I have developed a, a, a new method for learn learn my lines and also overcome the accent situation. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, what one of the new things I'm doing now from the tombs uh, and that we'll do definitely for Quail Hollow t- is... T- t- uh, just, just for the audience, I'll say the tombs is Dan, Dan Brownlee's London-based horror thriller, the tombs, yeah? That's what yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So we shot in uh, November, December. 
Cool. And uh, was inside of the London Bridge experience, the London Tombs. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, that was scary, huh? That place <laughs> is really creepy. <laughs> was, is it real? Is it, is it, was you, what made it creepy? I, you know, I, I, thought, I was thinking, ah, this is just an attraction. It's, mm-hmm. you know, everything is made up and everything. But I tell you what, Every time we need to go down on the tombs to actually film it, and if sometimes we just need to go back from the makeup to maybe use the bathroom or something, every time it's like someone is behind you and you know you look and nobody's there, but it's that <laughs> weird feeling that you are being watched and you know I don't know it's just really creepy. <laughs> so so go on then. What, what was what was the what was the uh, the new sort of approach that you developed while oh, shooting yeah. this then? Yeah, what I I, uh, I did and I will do again is get someone uh, who record the scenes and also my lines mm-hmm. uh, in a proper English, let's say. <laughs> okay. So I'll have someone uh, recording it, uh, all, all my lines and afterwards I just go around when I go to the gym or go to buy some food or just, you know, take the metro. I have that in my phone and I keep listening to my own lines. Okay. Uh, someone else is saying. So it helps me to, to make that lines natural. And also, uh, sometimes, oh, okay, that word doesn't uh, sound like that, Marcia. So sound like that. So mm-hmm. helps me really a lot to overcome the language barrier as you can notice English is not my first language, but you're very understandable. That's not Thank you. But is, <laughs> is, 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 there, is, there, is there a pressure then for you to sort of reduce the presence of your accent in, in yes, roles? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, it's about what you said. Uh, it's not exactly much the accent itself, because I'm not pretending to be uh, British or American or anything like that. Yeah. But it's about um, when I speak on the film, there is no moment that people would say, uh, what she said, you see, yeah. it's about to be clear when I speak. And so, yeah. Okay, okay. So it's the clarity of what you say, not the yes. accent can stay. It's more you be, your enunciation being yes. understood by as many people as possible that understand English, as it were. Exactly. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I mean, I was watching, there's a, there's a Belgian actor called uh, Matthias, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce his surname, but I'll try, Skona, uh, um, who's in uh, Rust and Bone, and he, he speaks Belgian French in Rust and Bone, and then the next time I see him is in Far From the Madding Crowd, and he's playing an English gentleman. Oh my, that's amazing. And it blew my <laughs> mind. And then I saw him in The Drop, and he's playing a gangster in New York, and you're like, <laughs> This, I mean, it's like, it's sort of, I've not heard him speak like, like I'm talking to you, but, uh-huh. but it just blew my mind that, um, I wouldn't have known that he wasn't English. Um, yeah, you what, see, that's, that's something amazing. And I still have a long way to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a lot of work to do and I'm doing. So, yeah, well, well, the way I, think, I see I this it, type of people, I, I see, okay, there, there is a hope for me. He can do it. I make him do also one day. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it sounds, I mean, it, it, it sounds like, you know, it, it is all just practice, isn't it? And if you're, if you're immersing yeah. yourself in, in the language like you are, if you're, if you're getting friends who, who speak English to, to read words for you so you can hear them being spoken and then begin to play with that, with, with, with how you talk, then, 
it can only come, can't it? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna go home one time, and your parents are gonna be sort of like sort of saying, "Who's this English woman?" <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, have um, have you got um, a favourite? Uh, as it's Britflix, um, have you got any uh, favourite British horror films that, that spring to mind? British horror film. Mm. Uh, yes, there is one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Season House. Ah. <laughs> I believe you know the director. <laughs> Uh, I, I know it's, it's inside of our, you know, um, let's say people we know, but I really, I, what, I do what love. Do you, what do you like about Season House? I mean, I remember that was, a, you know, quite a shocking start to Fright Fest when it opened um, a few years back. What, what is it that you like about the film? I, I really like the fact that it's, it's a horror, but it's a very dramatic horror. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's all about the relationship and what is happening with that girl that yeah. you actually want to go inside of the film and help her. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and when, you know, Kohai was directing Heretics, I said, oh my God, that's great. I can't believe it. So. Yeah, yeah. And Ro- Rosie, uh, Rosie appears in her, is, is in Heretics, isn't she? Yeah, she have uh, one, a little role in Heretics, which is very nice, very sweet. And that's very nice because uh, Paul and the uh, and the Rosie they are uh, friends. And then we had uh, Hannah Arteton who came to Heritage, which it, which is friends with them also. So it was was very a good environment. So when what so let's get let's so so Ibiza Undead is out now. I think it's available on the on the on the Fright Fest presents um, VOD platform, isn't it? Which is available on the way people watch VOD. Um, Heretics is in post-production. So when when do you envisage Heretics being available to watch? Um, Heretics uh, will be out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be present for the film, fe- film festivals. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so everybody's it- like, uh, when can we watch? When can we watch? And we also want to get it out there. We are just finishing... Final VFX and the music, so got you, got you. getting there. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I get uh, Paul on to tell us about his experience making the movie when the time comes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you've shot um, Dan Brownlee's um, The Tombs, do you know? Do you know anything about when that's due for release? Yes, they are pushing to be released uh, this year. Hopefully, okay. Fry Fest or Halloween okay, time. Cool. And then, and then, obviously, you're going away to shoot Quail Hollow. So, only uh, for me to say, best of luck out in New Orleans. It's a, it's a fantastic city. Thank you very much. I'm gonna try to enjoy there. <laughs> Although <laughs> well, look, with the plane twins, I think you're gonna be very much inside and uh, working. But yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's the pretty... food, the food, the food is fantastic over there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What is that? It's like really tasty. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Have you tried the, uh, shark, shark grilled oysters? I've not. No, no. Oh my, you must do. It's really delicious. It's actually amazing. I've, I've only ever had them raw, you know, with a bit of Tabasco. <laughs> with Tabasco? Really? Mm, or vinegar. Yes. Yeah. Ah, see. No, uh, there I normally have raw with a glass of champagne but there is like shark grill with a lot of spicy 
and tastes is very different than the normal oyster. So if someone doesn't really eat uh, raw oyster, I really recommend to try that because this is it's very different. What's the quality like when when you when they're grilled? What what, what happens to the oyster? Because obviously it's a it's a very for want of a better a better word, essential experience and sensory experience when you eat oysters um, raw. So what, what what changes when you have them char grilled? It just tastes so different. It's like uh, you eat something else. To be mm. honest, <laughs> it's very different. It's like well, very I... spicy and uh, yeah, it, it becomes like a different, totally different experience. I, I, I didn't I didn't experience that, but I did have alligator sausage while I was out in uh, New Orleans. So that, oh was a, that was a new one. But it's safe to say it, it probably just tasted like like the saying goes, it tasted like chicken. Um, Lord knows what what I would I couldn't tell you what alligator tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chicken sounds good. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, look, well, thank you very much for uh, for giving your time to the podcast twice. I apologise for my technical deficiencies but i can see that we've racked up 40 odd minutes here so that's cool um and that means i've recorded which is all the better for me so it just just says from britflix best of luck for uh, the stuff you've got coming up and the stuff you've got coming out it sounds like 2016 is going to be a, a, a good and exciting year for you yeah i i think this year gonna be good and busy and i'm very happy and thank you very much for your time and uh, having me here if you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.